The Rough Drafts Podcast is sponsored by Unicorn.com, the world's premier esports betting site. Bet on your favorite games like CSGO, Dota 2, and League of Legends, and earn Unicorns through successful bets, or use Unicorn's exclusive Connect program, where you can earn Unicorns just by playing some of your favorite games. Use your earnings to enter Unicorn's raffles for exciting prizes like Logitech peripherals or CSGO skins. So join Chase and Walter and prove who really is the esports gambling expert. Unicorn.com. Log on today. Hello, Internet! This is Chase Redshirt King Wassenaar, and welcome to week three of the North American LCS Guess the Lions podcast. Uh, we had now wrapped up two weeks of North American action. Uh, we're starting to get a much better idea of where these teams stand in relation to each other now that everyone's played a full four series, which as we know is not the case over in Europe. But now we have this right here. We can Ugh. sort it all out and... I know someone that would just love to put together all of these uh, these crazy lessons we learned from last week, uh, and that would be my good friend and co-host, Walter Ciedis Fedchuk. Walter, how you doing, man? We've learned I hate European schedules. <laughs> you know, I just hate the European scheduling system, and you have to keep rubbing that in my face. I, uh, yeah, but here we've seen four best-of-three series from every single team, a little bit more definitive than I think over in Europe. And uh, I think this, I think North America is closer top to bottom than Europe is. Yeah, I think that's very fair. Uh, in in North America, there is not a single team that has won every map. There is not a single team that has lost every map. Uh, and I I guess the former is true in Europe, but not true. Uh, the latter is not. So you know you got to hope that at the very least the game scores that we're seeing and how tight. I mean, you look at third place is seven and three. Uh, you know, eighth place is still only you know four and six it's only a 30 percent difference that's not a lot as far as making up gaps go and i think it's going to be very interesting to see who does separate themselves from the pack i gotta ask you walter uh which team do you feel like did the most last week to move themselves away from the rest of the pack which team impressed you oh man my my early season dark horse was phoenix one if we remember from the prediction episodes they look really really good uh zig showed up this week he had an absolutely uh, fantastic second series against Liquid. He really took uh, Lorlo to, to town. Uh, they used to be former former stablemates. They both used to be on Team Liquid. Uh, Zig was on Team Liquid Academy as a top laner, and Lorlo uh, was a top laner for Team Liquid. So there must have been some sort of you know in scrim rivalry or something like that. Um, he definitely took it out on Lorlo uh, on the field. And Nori looked like a, a god. Don't give him Rengar. If you're red side, ban Rengar against them. Like, yeah, I I don't know what else I what else to tell you. They they looked amazing. Ryu's got everything you know flowing through the mid lane. And I brought this up to you on the pre call, but I got to bring this up for the fans at home. Arrow might be the most unheralded, quietest, not talked about Korean import in the history of Korean imports, at least in North America, because the dude is just consistent. He's solid, and you never hear his name get called. 
It is always overshadowed by Ryu, it's overshadowed by Nori, and it was even overshadowed by, by Zig, especially against Team Liquid. So that bottom lane of Adrian and Arrow is, is running on all cylinders, is probably the best bottom lane in, in North America. Yeah, right now, I'm inclined to agree with you. Maybe Sneaky or Smoothie could argue that point, and I look forward to seeing these two teams face off uh, later on this year. But I really love what Phoenix One is doing as well. I think that if Arrow is the quietest uh, import, it's because he's not doing anything to draw attention away from the team, and that's all you could really want as a coach. Uh, I'm sure that the, uh, the guys running Phoenix One are pretty happy with how that's all worked out. Uh, I think Echo Fox has got to be pretty happy with how things worked out this week. They were a team that looked really rough last week, but we liked what Acadian did. They needed a second guy to get going, and man, Froggen got going. The the clip of the home-guarded Anivia coming through, the caca was just wonderful. I don't know why anyone is, you know, allowing such an easy Anivia comp for Froggen anymore, but whatever, as they're going to take that, and it does feel like the odd-year Froggen is still uh, is in play. We might be there, Walter. That's that I, might still be a thing. Honestly, I think we are. You know, Echo Fox has an eighty-two percent first blood rate. Their gold difference at fifteen minutes is fourteen hundred, almost fifteen hundred gold. Well, that's nearly. That's actually over double what second place is. So I don't know. I I had a tweet uh, uh, during the week, during the weekend that I'm gonna I'm gonna quote directly, and I said this was two days ago. So this was on Sunday. I said, it's a shame Acadian isn't going to win Rookie of the Split because Echo Fox won't win a lot of series. That's disappointing. Foot in mouth. Uh, <laughs> I also didn't think about the fact that there's only like three rookies in North America. So I'm Acadian's been really, really, really impressive and has been sort of the jolt that Echo Fox has needed. Uh, Looper's performed fantastically as well. Um, we'll talk more about them in a little bit, some of my other thoughts on them. But yeah, I've, I've been really impressed by them. Yeah, totally fair. Uh, and now we got to talk about the teams that totally didn't impress us at all. Uh, I have a team that comes to mind uh, that I think uh, you have some interesting feelings about later. But first, what most worried you about this week? What was the most disappointing thing? I hate to beat a dead horse, Team Liquid, oh. but Team Liquid's really bad. Yeah. Ever since their sweep of CLG, uh, it's been downhill from there, and I, I take no pride, I take no pleasure in doing this. Like it does not, and I have the biggest shitty <laughs> grin on my face right now. But <laughs> it doesn't pride me to like keep going after this guy. But Piglet's just downright awful. <laughs> He's just horrendous. I just, I'm just not seeing it guys i'm just not i'm not seeing what he's supposed to do to save you Raidovers looked okay uh, golden glue has not looked particularly promising maybe we'll see link this week who knows lorlo's had a few you know bright spots like man piglet and matt have been okay in laning phase they either get dumpstered or they're like mediocre and they kind of hang in there but then you get to team fights and they just can't do anything yeah. and and some of it may be the meta. It just might not be Piglet's meta, Ash and, and Varus and Jin. Um, but he did play Vayne at I Am Young Yi. Had the one pretty good Twitch game. I'm just not seeing it anymore, guys. I just I, it's getting kind of kind of pathetic to watch at this point. And I know the Liquid fans are going to come after me, but I, I, how do you defend him? What yeah. do you say to defend Piglet at this point? I just don't see it. 
Uh, anyone who wants to rush to Piglet's defense who's a Team Liquid fan, I, I would like to point you to a 2.4... Yeah, well, I was going to point to a, a 2.4 KDA, which puts him at the lowest in the league, and it put, he is by far the lowest in kills across 10 games. He only has 16 kills. I want to repeat that. 16 kills over 10 games as an 80 carry in a professional league. That is not what we're used to from Piglet. And it is the lowest in the league by over 10 kills. Uh, the second lowest is Arrow at 26. And oh, by the way, if you, all of you are saying, well, his assists, though, are pretty nice. Well, his damage permitted is only 445 which puts him at second lowest. And it's not like, you know, with Sneaky where you can kind of understand, well, it's lower because they're winning games faster and also there are other threats. I don't know who the other threat is supposed to be. It was going to be the year of Lorlo, according to Twitter, but then Kelsey Moser brought out her version of the Death Note. I guess she must have borrowed it from Caps or something <laughs> and published that article about Lorlo. And then suddenly just everything went to hell, which was just uh, kind of incredible to watch. Um, real quick... I'm going to just throw out the Dignitas look bad this week. Um, I pointed out before the season that I thought that it was someday trying to carry four guys. And if ever you were going to make a case that this team looked like someday carrying four guys, that was this week. Because when someday was kept down, the rest of this team did not look good. And I think Expecial is genuinely not good at League of Legends at this point. I, the, the TSM loss isn't that bad. Echo Fox loss is a little worrying. Yeah, that one was bad. And I didn't like the way they lost at TSM either. It's not like these were necessarily, you know, huge back and forth kind of scale games. It's a quality loss, but it... Fair enough. I, it's, it's tough, because that also comes into how good you feel about TSM, which we'll get to later on. But before we get into all of that, we have to talk about uh, something that is a, a wholly positive thing. Our smart money bets! They're starting to come through in North America. Yay! It's about time. I'm the um, man. I'm the man. <laughs> we had uh, FlyQuest plus 125 over CLG. That was absurd amounts of value. Uh, we had Phoenix 1 plus 150 over Team Liquid. That was also absurd amounts of value. Uh, FlyQuest plus 135 to 2-0 Echo Fox. I couldn't be happier to be wrong. Yeah, I, I could, couldn't be happier. Look, first of all, I did not predict Camille support. You're going to have to call me on that one. My bad. <laughs> so, but outside of that, like, I mean, I look, I'm glad hey, that Echo Fox rose to the occasion. It means we're two and one uh, from this week. We're three and three overall on the year, but we've made you guys 150 extra dollars if you bet on everything we've recommended on the NA side of things. And don't worry, if you're looking at the European ones and saying, oh, but you guys lost me there, well, then just keep betting on NA too. Overall, we've made a profit, even with the terrible scheduling in Europe. So I think that there's plenty of value to be had, and I think we're going to see if we can find some more this week. Walter, are you ready? Uh, ready to, yeah, get, to I, dive I, on in? I think... Because uh... we start with uh, Immortals versus Phoenix 1. Which is not, it's, it's, it's a series. It is a series of, of two teams, series. and you've already talked about one of them, and the other one is my favorite team, which, if ever there was a case that the Chase Wassenaar curse existed... I want to flip you off right now, you jerk. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. Don't <laughs> I, actually, I can't even this. say I didn't mean to, because I did actively say I know that there's work, there's work concerns here because every time I'm a fan of a team, but I did it anyway. So I guess I'm not really sorry. I just don't but... know what Dardock did to deserve your hatred. <laughs> well, look, let's assume for the moment an outlandish theory that I am not actually in control 
of whether or not Immortal You're not succeeds. Steve Bartman of League of Legends. I Just got it. I, as it, you know, it's a shot in the dark. But I'm going to assume that my fandom doesn't actually impact their games all that much. I think it does. I so, think uh, if you could Never offer an alternate you, theory, Walter, what else do you, are you seeing from this team that has you concerned, other than my fandom? It feels like Dardock is trying too hard. Hmm. It feels like he's really trying to force things, that he understands his bot lane is, is worse than what his bot lane was at last year, um, especially you know towards the end of the summer split. Wild Turtle and Adrian were not a very good cohesive unit, and somehow Immortals is downgraded even farther. And Cody Sung looks out of place. Um, he looks he looks like okay in laning phase, but once it gets to team fights, he just looks lost. His positioning is really poor. He doesn't output a ton of damage in team fights. Ale looks like all he can do is play Morgana, which I guess that sort of works in the current meta. But it just seems like Pobelter isn't trying to make plays, and it seems like Flame and Dardock are just trying to overcompensate too much. They're really forcing things. And look, the Echo Fox game, flame, dude. You died once. You knew they were at your red. Why the hell are you teleporting back to top lane without Flash? Why? <laughs> it's a Nautilus Kha'Zix. Come on, dude. Like, it's just... It's just the, they're trying so hard. He's try, he realizes that he's playing Gangplank, and he can't concede that farm. So he's got to teleport up to lane to make sure he gets there. But he teleports to a minion. Teleport to your tower at least so if they try to dive you, you're a little bit closer. Like, you have no escape path if you teleport into the middle of the lane. And that just tells me that they're forcing it. They're trying too hard. They're not letting it come to them naturally. And that was what made Dardock so good. And I think that's what's making all these other young North American junglers good is they're letting the game come to them. Acadian goes top. Because he sees the flame is teleporting in with no flash and he's playing gangplank and there's nothing he can do. Like that play appeared for him. He didn't have to force it. Mm -hmm. And Dardock needs to get back to that. He needs to let the game dictate what he's doing. And he's just not. He's trying to he's trying to take the game and make it what he wants it to be. And that's just not how you play successful League of Legends. It's how you die stupidly a lot of times. It's how you get caught out. It's yeah. been very under-impressive, and I totally subscribe to the theory that Chase Wassner has a stink on him, and every team he touches disintegrates. <laughs> Look, I, I don't have a counter to that argument, uh, because the only team I could really point to that I've been a fan of for a long period of time now is Rocket. so I'm not going to counter that. <laughs> I will say, um, Ollie, I, I, I just ran the numbers, and unless I'm doing my maths wrong, uh, if you take out all of his Morgana games, his KDA is one. Sounds about right. It, it's not, it, it's a little over one, I think. It's like 219 and 19 is where he stands right now on anything other than Morgana. That's atrocious. Uh, Flame's kill participation percentage right now is 54.9%. That is atrocious, especially because he has teleport and he's in this meta, that's usually where your tank comes from. So he kind of needs to be there. And it would be second, one thing. Second lowest. Second lowest behind balls. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we'll get and, to and him Paul later. And Pobelter's third. Yeah. And Pobelter, I, I, you didn't even mention him very much. I, I'm under the impression that he might not be that great either. Like, a Flame, I could explain away. Flame, I can say, you know, he's still learning English. He's devoted to learning it, and he'll figure it out, and the communication will be better. Maybe that will improve. We can point to that and say there are signs that 
Flame could get better, and the way they use him will get better. There are signs that, you know, Dardock will get used to, you know, working with these kinds of dynamics. There are signs that, you know, Cody-san and Ale, at least they're a young bot lane. At least, you know, Cody-san, you can make an argument like he's a rookie, it takes time. You know, we, you know we've talked to owners and coaches before who you know, instill patience as a virtue. And maybe that's fair. Maybe we should be more patient. Jeez, but who are you trying to sell here, man? I, me. I'm trying to sell me on this idea <laughs> because I need something to hold on to. And I think Immortals fans do too. But they're going up against Phoenix One, who, as you pointed out earlier, uh, so many things have gone right for them. Is there any situation in which Immortals pulls off the upset or are Phoenix One just too good for this? I think Phoenix One are just too good, but I think if it's going to happen, it's that you put Flame on a carry, you put him on Rumble, you put him on Kennen, uh, you put him on Fiora. I think Fiora or Trundle are actually probably better options because you can just be like, all right, Flame, kill. Split push. End of the game. Make it 4v1. <laughs> like, 4v5 them so we can four-man Baron. Like, I, I think that just needs to be it. It just needs to be command, go kill. Yeah. Go take base, kill Nexus, Trundle, Fiora. That's the only way I think Immortal wins this series, and I think it's incredibly difficult to do it two games in a row because Ryu will lose one game to that and go, oh, you, oh, you get picked Trundle again? You get picked, I'm camping you, buddy. And him and Honori are just going to camp the hell out of him. Yeah. And sure, then you go, oh, well, then it's a four, you know, it's a 4v2 across the rest of the map, but three of those players have proven they don't want to make plays. It's not so, great. <laughs> I, I don't I don't see them winning two out of three games against Immortals. I think that they're an extremely intelligent squad, and they'll find the pressure point, and they'll just keep exploiting it like they've been doing it the last two weeks. Yeah, I, I think that is very fair. Um, but you know what, Walter? It doesn't matter what I think is fair. It matters what the casinos think is fair. So where does Unicorn put the line? Uh, I think they're still undervaluing Phoenix 1. Just like later on, I think they're going to keep undervaluing uh, FlyQuest. I have Phoenix 1 at minus 125. Okay, you get this one. I, I, you are correct. They are still undervaluing Phoenix One. I said Phoenix One minus one seventy. It's Phoenix One minus one forty three, which puts Immortals at plus one ten, and that's some pretty decent value there. If you like Phoenix One in this matchup, and I think it's safe to say that we both do, yeah, this is some significant value. Because, in, like, Phoenix 1 should be favored in this series by way more than they are. And, you know, I'm just throwing this out there. If you are a, a really degenerate gambler type, uh, what do you think the odds for a, a 2-0 here, Walter? I'm going to say plus 220. It is plus 200. So you're about right. That seems like a very decent bet as well, especially if you're like us and... Not really convinced by anything you've seen from him. I'm not trusted two O's. I'm, I'm. We haven't hit a single two O as a gambler. I just at some point have to be like, all right, that's not where I am this year. That you know what? That's fair. Let's keep going then, because maybe this one will change your mind. Uh, Envious versus Team Liquid. So you were down on Liquid, and I think it's understandable why we went into why Piglet has been really struggling and and what that means for the rest of this team. Envious has tried to redeem themselves this week. They have Lyra now. They're going to have him for more than a whole day this time around. Do we start seeing a rise in Envious right now? Is that in play? It's in 
play, but I guess what do you mean by a rise? Like, is it that we're seeing that they're going to win their first series against against Liquid? I'm I'm not sold on that. Ninja still hasn't done anything to really make me believe that he's anything better than the tenth best mid laner in North America, and that he even if he deserves that spot, Apollo's been pretty good. Um, he keeps impressing me in his play style, and I think it's just mainly because it's utility AD carries. He doesn't have to make big plays. All he has to do is consistently hit Ash and Varus arrows and hit Jin ults. Like it, he's not a position where he has to be a playmaker. And I think for Envious, getting the counter pick for Seraph is extremely important because it sets him up for winning lanes. Um, but at the same time, Team Liquid is putting a lot of faith and a lot of attention into Lorlo as well, and I think both teams are really trying to play through their top laners. So the pick-ban phase between Dylan Falco and David Lim is going to be very important, I think, for both of these teams. Um, Rainover has still been making some silly mistakes in the jungle that I think Lyra can exploit. But at the end of the day, I, I just I have a hard time trusting Envious. I, I just overall their macro game is very sloppy still and it is really really reliant on Seraph getting a lead and very, feeling very comfortable being their you know primary engager so I wouldn't write it in pen I'd probably barely write it in pencil um, but I think this is probably going to be a pretty close series as a whole yeah I mean there's a lot of the things that you have to point to of you know, why you would expect Envious to maybe turn things around in a series like this well you'd point to Lyra who played very well Lyra was fantastic. His yeah. Lee Sin game was amazing. Uh, you know, his mechanics are clearly very solid, but he's going up against Rainover. So that's that, not that's... that's not a great advantage for in that matchup. So now, you know, Rain you look up. at, you know, Seraph, you know, he needs to be a focal point for them. He's playing against Lurlo, who desperately needs a bounce back game after last week. And yeah. I think it's kind of hard to imagine him playing as badly as he did last week. I don't think he's necessarily going to play as well as he did in week one to a certain extent. I think that he's going to kind of fluctuate between those two points. But I, I don't trust that to go fully in Seraph's favor. Rainover needs the bounce back game more, though. Hmm. Like, we, we've, we've been given an exploit against Rainover is that he doesn't play Lee Sin. He just doesn't play Lee Sin. And, I, you know, that got brought up on the, on the broadcast and all this stuff. Like, that's massive because that's one of the junglers that's real. Like, that's been consistently a good jungler since season two. And you're not good at it like you can't play it it's to the point where they aren't picking it they are are handicapped and they have to leave open a jungler for him to be able to play that's why you know you saw reino or you saw um uh inori get rengar it's because yeah. team liquid left both kha'zix and rengar up and said well rainover is going to play one of these and they you know pick kha'zix instead so i the fact he doesn't play Lee Sin is a very very big question mark because after kha'zix and rengar it goes to Rek'Sai, and he's a decent Rek'Sai, but after that, like it forces you to pick a jungler in those first three picks. And that could be very, very exploitable for, for blue side, especially when Team Liquid is forced to ban Rengar. Like, I would waste two of my picks on you know on Kha'Zix or Rek'Sai, or you know, one pick on Kha'Zix or Rek'Sai, and just pick the other. And just say, okay, you're either going to play Lee Sin or what? Go to Elise? Go to Zach? Like, that's just not, that's not optimal for Team Liquid. So yeah. Lee Sin is a huge pressure point against them. I'd, I'd like to point out, if he, Rainover's played 205 games. He's played Lee Sin in three of them. That's insane! It's Lee Sin! I did not realize this until you just brought it up. That's crazy! He has a 1.94 KDA on it, which is by far the lowest of any champion that he's played multiple times. Other than, I guess, technically his 1.36 KDA on Hecarim. 
How? How? How are we here with this? This is game over, boys. Yeah, clearly. Uh, I guess uh, this segment will be over as soon as you give me the line here, Walter. Where do you think it ends up? I have Team Liquid minus three fifty. Okay, I get this one. Because it's lower than that. I said Team Liquid minus three thirty-three. It's Team Liquid minus two seventy-eight. And I know you said you swore off two O's. That's uh, envious at plus two hundred, by the way. And I know you swore off two O's. But we could get Liquid to two O this series at plus one twenty. Positive odds that envious no. loses two games. No. No. Okay. No. That's fine. No. No. Because envious is going to get one game on blue side. No. See, and the funny thing is, I think that theoretically, right? You'd imagine they'd want to be on red side because red is where the counter picks come in. And you want to give Seraph a counter. That's how this team needs to run. Well, that's true, but then you can't exploit Rainover's lack of lease in play. It's going to be an interesting one. I, I'm curious to see which direction they take it. I think both strategies are... I think both are reasonable. Play. Like I, I would focus on Rainover, because Rainover is the key that's going to make everything else work. Yeah, I agree I with that. Personally. Um, let's go move on to Saturday's games. And we start Saturday with uh, a rivalry that doesn't look like the star-studded match that it usually would be around this time of year. Uh, Counter Logic Gaming versus Team Liquid. Or, sorry, uh, TSM, excuse me. Not Team, Team Solo Mid. We just talked about Liquid. Team Solo Mid. It's the CLG-TSM rivalry game, and yet I'm not detecting almost any hype for it. Walter, let's let's start by the t- on the TSM side of things. Oh, starting on the TSM side. Why Why are we hearing things like Mark Z saying uh, TSM is too smart to get blown out, but too uh, stupid too to talented, close out a game? Too talented to get blown out, but too stupid to close out game. Yeah, how did we get here? Because you're, you're the TSM expert, so I have to ask you, well, how did we get here? Because we're too talented to get blown out of games, and we're <laughs> too stupid to end them. We have no shot calling. We have absolutely no shot calling. I don't know who our shot caller is. It's obviously not Doublelift, because he's streaming some stupid game right now like he's doing whatever the hell else he wants with his life mm-hmm. and i i guess it falls back on bjergsen bjergsen obviously did not learn anything in the two splits that he spent with double lift being a primary shot caller i i don't know who's shot calling for them it's literally the only reason that they've been as successful as they've been has been the individual playmaking of haunters and svenskeren and bjergsen it's been individual playmaking it's been haunters going off in in the game, in the third game against Dignitas, like that's what it's been. It's been their talent winning out. Mm-hmm. And I know Turtle came up, and I think it was with Red Bull where he said, "Oh, you know, it's it's going to take us a while to get used to each other and get used to the shot calling. Like we don't really have a leader." Um, I'm I'm like paraphrasing here. It's going to take us a few weeks to get there. Like if they get there, cool, that's great. Then they have the talent, and they also have the shot calling. This just reminds me a lot of um, Spring Split with Yellow Star. Yes. Where it was really trying to figure things out, really trying to find that missing piece. I think that missing piece is double lift. Yeah. Like there's there's the you sent me the clip earlier of, of double lift saying he's gonna try to play in the LCS again next split. I think if you're Reggie, you have to. I think this is almost gonna be the same dart as the Dardock situation. I think he, that Reggie's probably outside Double Lift's uh, house right now with a boombox and the music with the rain. Like Double Lift, come back. 
I miss you, buddy. We need you. Everybody's, it's just Chalister saying everybody's trash, everybody's trash, everybody's trash. Yeah, just over and over. I Look, it's it's amazing how they they keep passing the buck on this, right? Well, Bjergsen wants to be the shot, you know, Bjergsen should be the shot caller, but no, Bjergsen doesn't like being a shot caller. He tried it for two splits and he doesn't he's like it. He's bad at it. Okay, that's, yeah, he's bad at it. Okay, we accept that. So then your jungler should be, well, Svenskeren's not really mentally the kind of guy to be shot calling. Okay, well, then your support. Well, he's a little bit inexperienced. Okay, well, you can't make excuses for everybody on the team somebody and and trust me i've i've coached a team i know how hard it can be a lot of players don't want to shot call but your team solo mid you knew the situation when double lift left you knew he was your shot caller you signed wild turtle anyway how do you not have a plan for this how is how are we still asking in week three huh i wonder who's gonna make a decision for tsm how it's TSM. This shouldn't be happening. Just start Reggie. Just bench Bjergsen and bring back Reggie. <laughs> just have him pull a high. He'll just play Ken in mid lane and he'll suicide every single time. But it'll be brain dead engaged and everybody will know what's going on and it'll be wonderful. First of all, Karthus or I don't care. But second of all, <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I think... Oh, I... Man, if you want to see the rise of Karthus, it's either going to be Reggie or Froggen. Yeah. We're, uh, it's in play. I, I think that the only thing that probably makes TSM fans feel better about all of this is, A, the immense amount of talent that's going to buy you time to figure this out. And congratulations, by the way, of being one of few, the few teams in this, uh, in this world that can get away with this kind of, you know, learning period, whatever Thank they you. eventually move towards. Spend a lot of money on it. Thank you. Yes. Uh, CLG, on the other hand. There aren't any excuses as to why CLG is struggling as much as they are. There isn't a shot caller that left. Everyone came back for the second split in a row. So what's going on? Is, is it as, as simple as it. just... They're forcing it. Okay, they're what forcing is, it. They're, they're forcing it in the early game. They understand that their, their solo laners are weaker than most of their opponents. Mm -hmm. And Xmithy is trying to go out of his way to make plays. And rather than then be very cohesive in his like you'll see you'll see moments there'll be some very cohesive moments where you know you've got Hui roaming top with um with a smithy to get a kill for darshan against um i think it was against balls against flyquest like very well done or no it was against impact it was very well done get three people top get the kill on impact push down towers like you see that cohesion and then there are other times where Darshan just overextends and Xmithy's nowhere near him and he has no war control and he just gets caught out. Like that was the biggest thing in, in the Cloud9 series was just kept getting caught out. Yeah. Kept overextending time after time after time. And it's for that's forcing it. That is Darshan forcing the issue and going, I need to win my lane. I need to get this one extra CS. I need to step forward here and challenge him. I'm, it, it's just not thinking. It's just going, I need to make a play. And it's departing from everything that made CLG successful, which was team. What is best for the team? What is the best macro decision? And there were times where, you know, Darshan would step back. And he'd go, I could go for that extra CS, but I'm not sure about it. And you can go back and you can watch their run from summer to spring, going to MSI, where he would make the right decision. And they just aren't making the right decisions anymore. And it's punishing everyone. They're not covering up deficiencies anymore. They're they're overexposing these deficiencies by not covering for each other, by not saying, well, I need to have my jungler here so I feel confident to take this tower instead of, well, I'm just going to shove this in the tower and back real quick. And oh, all of a sudden contracts is there to kill me. Like you're trundle into a, a Nautilus for Christ's sake. 
Like, you don't have any way out of that. You have very little CC. If you don't have your flash, there is nothing you can do once Nautilus hits six. Right. If that Kha'Zix is there, you're dead. It's over. It's done. There's very little you can do. And it's just no brain. It's just not thinking. Yeah. And Darshan, at this point in his career, you said earlier we have to have patience with the younger players. At this point in his career, there is no patience with Darshan. You should be right. better than that. You've been playing since season two, dude. Yeah, like you have been over. Like you, you know what happens when you overextend with no vision. I get it. Words are cheaper now. Words are easier to play. So there's no pink word. Blah blah blah. Any of these things. Like you should know better. I don't care how many changes to the game have happened in five years. You should know better. And uh, yeah, I and I don't want to make it all about him. Aphromoo's having some some roams that are just pointless. Yeah, where they aren't set up very well by either his laner or by himself. He gets caught out. He doesn't have good vision control. Then he leaves Stixay alone. I still think Stixay is the bright spot on this team. Yes. He's their best player. I think he's still performing admirably, and he is intelligent enough when Dar- uh, when Aphromu does leave the lane to go, okay, I'm against a Zyra and a, and a Varus. Like, I'm going to step back. And if they dive me under tower, okay, they dive me under tower, but I'm going to step back. So I think everybody kind of needs to learn from Stixay there, and, and they need some more team cohesion, and they need to pull some more plays out of their playbook. Yeah, and I, I think you, you nailed it on the head. This is an intelligence and a decision-making problem. I would even go so far as to say it's a discipline problem above everything else. You know, the early game is all about, you know, individual skill matchups and setting yourself up. Uh, and that's part CLG's done well. They're tied for third at gold differential at 15 minutes right now uh, with FlyQuest. They are putting themselves in a position to at least be in every single one of these games. And it's as soon as they're forced to make a decision, as soon as they're the ones who have to try to dictate the pace and move around the map, they are making very silly mistakes. Yep. And there are two ways to, you know, to take that. The option A is they somehow lose all of their talent at 15 minutes, which I don't think is very likely. Rocket did that. <laughs> Yeah, Rockets, it's, it's not unprecedented. I just said unlikely, not unprecedented. It's got to get that but, dig in there. Yeah, it's, it's uh, thank goodness. The, the, the knife here really <laughs> needed a good twist. Um, yeah. But I, uh... Like know, one of those wind-up toys. I gotta, I gotta just... They're just, with CLG, it's just the decision-making. And as soon as, you know, they start calming down and playing with the kind of, you know, discipline and playing into the system that Zix has spent so much time and energy creating... They're going to be fine. The The problem I have is that how long does a slump have to happen before you stop believing in what they're building, right? Because we saw a slump before. We saw it in the summer and they did bounce back and everything's fine. And I am of the opinion that maybe, you know, that's just how CLG is doing things. Maybe they don't put as much energy into the beginning of the split as they do in the end. I don't like it, but... It would at least make sense of now we've seen it two splits in a row. Correct. But you can't bounce back forever. People eventually mentally check out if they don't believe that they're getting any farther close towards their goals. And we're not there yet. And I think we're still a couple weeks from being there. But this is a team I'm going to be watching very closely because there are enough mental mistakes being made that if emotions start playing into this, uh, it could go very badly in the wrong direction. I what think do you th- there's I think there's four teams fighting for that sixth seed in the playoffs right now. Yeah. I think I think CLG is one of them. Mm-hmm. I think Team Liquid is one of them too. Yeah. I now that we just talked about them. And we're going to talk about uh, another one of them next. That is true. But uh, right, been, let's get there first. Uh, where yeah. do you think the line is for this game? 
Uh, I have TSM minus 175. I think the casinos recognize this is still a TSM versus CLG series. Uh, you are correct. I, I thought it should oh. be even higher. I said a TSM minus 220. It is TSM minus 169. So you got it almost exactly there. That's a CLG plus 130, which if CLG had shown any signs of, of life or uh, macro efficiency greater than what C uh, TSM is putting out there right now, I'd have to consider. But they both kind of have similar flaws, so I think I'm going to say stay away. I think, I think this is about as obvious of a statement. I need to get a soundboard, so every time you do that, I just hit a button. That would be great. We need the butt. We, uh, stay away! We're, stay we'll, away! We'll, stay away! We'll make that happen. It's, it's, <laughs> let's keep going. FlyQuest versus Dignitas. Uh, I, we'll save our thoughts for FlyQuest for later. I gave a couple things on, uh, on Dignitas earlier. I, I'm not happy with how they played that's, that's I, I i have some concerns you of course had much higher hopes for dignitas heading into the season so you're not as blinded like for me this is maybe confirmation bias playing in so maybe let, let's look at things on the other angle someone who was high on dignitas after last week how do you look at what we just saw so i think the tsm loss is justifiable tsm has obviously been playing together for a much longer period of time than dignitas mm -hmm. uh, i also think they didn't really try to go after uh, Bjergsen all that much um, it really was sort of let they sort of let Bjergsen run wild especially in games 2 and 3 mm -hmm. uh, and I thought that's if you have Keen you have the ultimate you know Bjergsen counter you should use it um, I think that TSM did show a very very heavy focus on on someday and realizing that he is a, a major cr you know crux of what things do and Chaser needs to realize that it's got to be one of the two lanes he can't let both his solo lanes collapse I think Keen, God, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think Keen does have the talent that if he is focused on by his own jungler, he can carry. Mm -hmm. I said he's not a primary carry, but I think he's shown in you know two weeks that if you really do put some focus on him and get him going, and he has shown this before in his career, that if you work to get him going, that if you make the plan and you get him going, he will reward you. There have been times where teams have played around him. I'm thinking of all the anti-Bjergsen carry games where they played around Keen, and if you put the energy into him, you get a return on your investment. Uh, and Chaser just needs to decide when both lanes are going bad, which lane does he go to? And instead, he sort of hovers between both of them and picks, like, goes back and forth. Oh, I gotta help someday. Oh, I gotta help Keen. Oh, I gotta help someday. Pick one, dude. Yeah. Sacrifice one to the Wolves and, you know, the, the, the Jace game in game two. I think it truly has to be, all right, our Jace is done. Let's play, you know, let's try and play 4v, you know, 4v4 with with the Arrow and uh, Orion on a combination, on Kha'Zix. Like, let's play the pick game. Mm -hmm. Let's play the pick game, have Jace poke him down when we get around objectives. Like, it can still work. And they never really did that to uh, to a great extent. And then this is the criticism of X Special coming in, is that he's not doing a good job in, in clearing flank wards. He really allowed multiple times for Haunters to get in behind, to get in on the sides. Their control warding is suspect. I think their warding in general is just kind of suspect. But they do have these really, really solid plays. They have these excellent plays. I think Lot is just improving as, as an AD carry. Um, he has had some silly deaths where he's been caught out, but I think that's primarily because his jungler and support kind of leave him to just 
you're on your own, buddy. We're going to go help the, help the solo laners, uh, which is something he can adapt to. He just needs to not overextend so much. He mm-hmm. needs to realize when it's time to give up a tower. He needs to realize when it's time to give up a farm. Yeah. He's still semi-young in the position. Uh, I'm still I'm concerned about the Echo Fox loss, but I think that was more Echo Fox playing up to the level of competition than Dignitas necessarily playing down. Um, again, I still think you know Lod kept getting caught out. I think that their their wording wasn't great. That uh, Looper was able to get into a lot of flanking positions. I think at, you know that entire roster is just playing above their station currently. Um, so I am more worried than I was coming into week three about Dignitas, but I've still seen enough. Uh, you know, they still won one game in each one of those series. And there were moments where, you know, the game could have swung back and forth if one play had gone one way or the other. But you can say that about every game of League of Legends. Yeah. So you're, I'm you're not absolutely concerned, right. but I'm still, I'm like even keeled about them. I'm like, okay, like maybe they aren't going to be a number one or two seed going into the playoffs, but I still feel confident about where I think they can end up. Yeah, uh, welcome to the 76ers. Trust the process, right? That's that's how all this goes. <laughs> you can't say trust the process for every team in League of Legends. I don't, I, but I can s- I think for Dignitas, it's it's probably the most fair. I think that's safe to say. And, I mean, yeah, and, and not just because they got, you know, they're owned by it, but also because, look, um, Chaser's a guy that we knew was going to take time because he didn't look all that great on Longju, and he needs to, you know, develop these, these synergies together. And... I think the Dignitas is still figuring out how they want to play these games, what they want their win condition to be. And as soon as they start playing to win instead of not to lose, they're going to be in a better place. I would like to see them come up with a win condition that wasn't get someday fed. I think Keen has been a nice byproduct, but I don't think that's what they've ever been trying to do. I'd like to see some more compositions that are actually focused on it. 100% that don't involve a zero, of course, because that's a whole nother problem. Where do you think the line is, Walter? Uh, I have FlyQuest at minus 135. I still think the casinos are undervaluing FlyQuest. Okay, neither of us get a point. Dignitas are favorites. Uh, yeah, I had FlyQuest minus 140. It is Dignitas minus 149. So that's FlyQuest uh, plus 115 for those of you following along our smart money bet section. Uh, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> How are we still this wrong about a team? How have we adjusted? Because to this they thing? had no start. Their starting point. I explained it last week on the podcast. Their starting point is at twelve hundred elo. They're in silver. It but, doesn't matter that they're what? playing with challenger level. Like they yeah, have to get their. I was going to say, what about misfits? They adjusted for misfits. How can you adjust for misfits and not for? Europe is a different beast. That's all. No, I No, come on. No, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm going to have to. Misfits is competition. I. I Look, uh, you want to keep giving us plus value on FlyQuest? We're going to keep taking it. And we'll yeah. we'll get to FlyQuest a little bit more later. But uh, Liquid versus Echo Fox. Uh, we've already talked about Liquid. We, You know, I already brought up my feelings on Echo Fox. You said they were playing above their station uh, when you look at how they did last week. How do they turn what looks like playing, you know, out of their heads into the new normal? Well, what can they do this week to kind of help cement that new identity? I mean, you know, winning a couple more games would, would help. You know, beating Team Liquid and having a really good best of three series against Cloud9, I think, would help. Um, I think part of it is that they're, they've been extremely reliant on Keith not making a lot of stupid decisions. Sure, he's been getting caught out, but he's been hitting all, he like, he's been hitting the majority of his arrows on Varus and Ash. He's been hitting a majority of his Jin ultimates. Like, people aren't really challenging that bot lane. They aren't really going after it constantly. And 
you know, any time that it does look like that Keith is going to get dove under tower, the rest of the team is making a play elsewhere. We've seen, you know, we've seen Froggen on multiple Twisted Fate games at this point. We've seen him play the Anivia. We've seen him roaming around a lot. Like, this is not the Froggen that just sits in lane and farms anymore. Yeah. He's actually, like, proactively making plays. Mm-hmm. I have to say, and I don't want to commit blasphemy here, but I'm going to say it. Acadian and Froggen remind me of Season 3 Alex Each and Diamond Prox. Ooh, man. We're high there. praise, high praise coming from me. And this this is why. Is that Alex and Diamond would roam a lot. Usually it would be to the bottom lane. Mm-hmm. It would usually be towards Genjin, Edward, and and Darian would be the sacrificial lamb of I'm playing AP Lizard Wizard. And uh get at me, son. I'm still gonna take your tower. You're gonna send four people to kill me. I'm gonna get dragon and two towers in the bot lane. And Echo Fox is playing the opposite of that. They're playing, screw Keith, like, you die, you give up your tower, whatever. We're going to make plays on the top side of the map. And constantly, they're making plays on the top side of the map. They're constantly going to Looper's Lane. They're constantly going into the top side of enemy jungle. I, I wish I had a program that could, you know, tell me exactly. But I think if you want to talk about, like, quadrant gravity, it's whatever, you know, the north and the western parts of the map are where they like to play. Mm-hmm. They like to go after the top lane. They like to get Looper ahead. And they're putting a lot of interesting thoughts into the pick and ban phase. You know, we can chuckle about Camille's support and go, well, it won a game, so I guess it works. But that was incredibly well thought out. Yeah. And I think it was Freak that tweeted it that said they turned a negative Camille into Poppy matchup into an amazing Swain into Poppy matchup just by sending the Camille into the bot lane. And uh, talking with some people, it's been scouted. Most people knew that Gate played Camille in the support role in solo queue. Like, it wasn't well hidden. Um, And it just more spoke to FlyQuest being overconfident that they didn't need to ban Camille. And it was probably because they're like, yeah, we have a counterpick. Like, we know how to beat it. Well, do you know how to beat it in bot lane? And they did well. Like, they played well into it. But they were scared enough of it that in game two, that, you know, game two and game three, it wasn't played. So... I'm, I'm just very intrigued. And like I said earlier, Acadian is probably going to be the rookie of the split. Like, unless unless he totally drops off a cliff and Echo Fox loses their next umpteen games, like, I think Acadian is the front runner for rookie of the split. He is playing better than contracts. Man, Cloud9 fans are split. so mad at you right now. I agree with you for I the record. I don't care. I don't just... care. They have an 82% first blood rate. Cloud9 is at 30. I Look, they I have a almost 1500 gold differential at 15 minutes that's double second place that's triple third place yeah come at me maybe by the end of the split it'll be done but right now at week two going into week three acadian is the rookie of the split i don't think you can argue it look i agree with you i think that acadian has been playing out of his mind i love the version of froggen we're seeing right now um i think this is the version that you and i were hoping to see all of last year and just never quite came out this is the version of alex each i wanted to see anytime that he played after renegades, <laughs> renegades like. yeah it's it's nice to see uh where do you think the line is walter is, is all are all these nice things enough to affect the line for you i not not enough i have team liquid at minus 150 oh wow you got it almost exactly yes so i said um uh, liquid minus 170. It is liquid minus 149. So literally almost exactly. That's Echo Fox plus 115, by the way. 
It's the same line that uh, Dignitas has over FlyQuest. So just to be clear, apparently Liquid is just as likely to beat Echo Fox as Dignitas is to beat FlyQuest. Ergo, we're probably taking both of them as our smart money picks, right? I'm, I'm liking both of them at this point. What? I don't know if both pay off. Well, well, let's but... keep going. Let's see if there's anything else. That I like them better than you. Phoenix 1-2-0-ing Immortals. I'll put it that way. Yes, I think that's fair. Uh, Cloud9 versus Envious. I, we already talked about Envious. I don't think that we need to really be talking that, about them in terms of Cloud9. They are so far away from where Cloud9 is playing right now. Hey, hey everyone at home. Hey, everyone at home. Cloud9 are still at their ceiling, except Contracts is making them better. I haven't seen anything out of any of the four other players that makes me go, wow, he's really improved since summer. Fight me. I don't care. I don't care that Jensen has three MVP, you know, series MVPs. He's showing some flashiness. Guess what? At the beginning of the summer split, he showed some flashiness too. Let's calm down here. You guys are the best team in North America right now. We'll see where you guys are at the end of the split, okay? Just yeah. calm down. It's... Don't come at me yet. Like, Look, someone, someone pointed this out. Shame. They haven't actually won anything since the spring of 2014. That was the last time they've won an, an, or it's been a while at least since they've won an LCS championship. I'm, I got it. See now. I'll I'm, look it up right now. Yeah, go look. I it have up. it. I have it right here. So they won the, they won the North American regionals mm-hmm. and they won uh, the 2015 North American regionals. Right. They have not, they won. When uh, was the last time they won a split? They were the champs. Do you want round robin stage or playoffs? Playoffs. Playoffs are all that matter. 2014 spring playoffs. That's what I thought. There we are. It's been spring 2014. So you know what, Cloud9 fans? You want to get excited about being the best team in North America? Feel free. You haven't done this since 2014 spring. I'm going to give it to you. I, I think it's fair to hold them to a higher standard because I think they're playing to a higher standard than most of the other teams we're talking about. But I yeah, look, if, if that's really all you want, then enjoy it. Uh, where do you think the line is, Walter? Uh, I have Cloud9 at minus 550. Uh, you did not go high enough. Okay. I said minus 800. I did not go high enough. Cloud9 minus 2,500. <laughs> that I actually will put in a sound effect for, for the record. That's amazing. Uh, Envious at plus 850. Uh, I, yeah, this is a this is going to be rough. Long shot? Five no. bucks? No. Maybe? No. No. Five bucks? Lyra gets, Lyra <laughs> Look, I couldn't talk you Five into bucks? like even considering Envious at plus 200 over Liquid. Now you're trying to say, oh, but against Cloud9, though? Come Five on bucks? now. Five Stop bucks? Cloud9 has to lose sometime, dude. Five bucks? Stop it. Five Phoenix bucks? 1 versus TSM. We've talked about both of these teams. Is there any one thing that stands out in your mind as the difference maker here? Um, I think it's going to come down to the Zig versus Haunters matchup. I think that's really what it's gonna what it's gonna come down to. Uh, Phoenix One has shown that they can win in multiple multiple different ways uh, with multiple different lanes. Um, I think Inori versus Fenskaren is kind of a wash. I think Ryu versus Bjergsen is kind of a wash. Uh, I think that's where TSM could get the upper hand is with Haunters. Um, and we saw one really really good series out of out of Zig against Lorlo. I'd like to see if he can do it against someone that I consider to be a better top laner than Lorlo. Um, at the same time, Arrow and Adrian, like, they're, I'm waiting for a breakout game from either of them. And we haven't had it yet. It's, it's sitting there. A breakout Arrow Kog'Maw game with a Lulu support is sitting there. So, 
I'm uh, I'm very intrigued by this series. I think this is going to be one of our semifinals. I just love that we're talking about uh, Adrian not really doing anything amazing when he's the third highest KDA, and uh, and you know in all of. Uh, but he's North he's overshadowed by the other by Ryu Inori and Zig. Like that's the point. Like You're he's amazing in terms right. of all the supports. But when you look at his team, they can do a better job. Yeah, they need to do a better job accentuating. And I will say, like right now, I like Phoenix One. On the rift, as far as decision making goes, a little bit more than what I'm seeing from TSM. TSM is going to prep for it like crazy. But, and Orius uh, has more pressure in the early game than Svenskeren. He's actually actively making plays within what the game is giving him. So, if we're going to take all that in, uh, as a factor, Walter, where do you think the line should be? TSM minus one fifty five. Come on. Okay, you get this one. Yeah, of course I get this one. I said TSM minus one thirty. And you're a fool. You're just a guy from Georgia. It's TSM minus two hundred. Interesting. So that's Phoenix 1 plus 150. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing it out there as something we might want to come back to. Uh, Dignitas versus CLG. Another two teams that we have talked about. What is the, the thing that stands out to you in this matchup, Walter? Is it is it as simple as Dignitas has just been looking better? Or is there something that CLG can do to try to turn things around for them in a, in a hey, this is, this this particular is... matchup? This is definitely Dignitas has been playing better. Um, I think this is going to come down to jungles and which jungler can help his solo lanes more. I think that's that's as simple as it is. Which one is more effective, Chaser or Eric Smithy? And I think both of them have been playing pretty evenly compared to each other so far this split. I think Someday versus Darshan has been a pretty even matchup if you look at everything. I think Someday has had a bit higher high um, with some carrying. I don't think Darshan is actually super hardly, you know, super hard carry to game. Um, and I think Keen versus Hui is, you know, both can rock and both can suck. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, it's going to really come down to which which lanes do Smithy and Chaser prioritize and which lanes do they get ahead. Yeah, that's totally fair. And I also want to bring up, we haven't really seen, you know, we've seen a lot of different coaches take advantage of the, you know, new 10-band system. I haven't seen that hyper-clever Zix draft that I think both of us were expecting when we previewed him in the preseason. Nope. It feels like Dignitas is the kind of team that you would expect Zix to be able to scheme Something against. funky. You would expect something weird, something to get Talia. the team back going. Talia 80 carry? I don't know, man. <laughs> There's got to be something. I, I refuse to believe that CLG is just sitting there looking at 1-3 and three and being in ninth place and saying, this is fine. Azir just, mid... Zig's bot. There we go. There's your cheese. I uh, I could get behind that. Where do you think Trade the line is? <laughs> uh, I have CLG at minus 135. Okay, I get this one. Because I said it was going to be even. And it is Dignitas at minus 137. Hang on a second. So CLG no, is no, plus no, no, 105. No, 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 no,
I think I'm you've only got yourself to, to blame. I'm on to your game. I just want to understand why Dignitas is, is favored in this series. Like, you thought CLG was going to be favored. I thought that's kind of where we were, too, and just how the odds were going last week. Whatever. I mean, what do I, we know, man? What do we know? Yeah, I'm not betting CLG plus 105 here. That's that's not that's going to be yeah, a very tough sell. Uh, Immortals versus FlyQuest. FlyQuest are a, a very interesting team. I think that people were very unhappy with critics like ourselves when we were not very high on them. They were very excited last week when they were two and zero heading into the week. Um, now I think you know. Do do we start seeing some movement back down to earth, or do you think that? Echo Fox is a blip on an otherwise successful. Oh, you think FlyQuest has got this? No, 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 no. I don't agree with that. I don't think we're going to see movement back down to earth from their fans. Oh, oh, sorry. I think, I think they're. I think their heads are up in the clouds. I think they're on uh, on a jet. You know, thirty five thousand feet above the earth. They're sipping champagne. It's probably Rick Fox's jet. They probably stole it from him. Yeah. <laughs> Just like Echo Fox stole that series from FlyQuest. Oh. See what I did there? Got uh, no, I, I think that FlyQuest played exceptionally well. I think they exposed that there is a major weak point in balls, and you can exploit that. And, you know, listen, High can't deal 10,000 damage in one team fight and take out a tank by himself. Yeah. Like, that's just that's just not going to happen. And, you know, Alltech and Lemon Nation haven't done anything either that's been truly, you know, amazing. It's been kind of muted. It's and, and that's how I feel about a lot of 80 carries. It's just there's not a whole lot they can do besides hitting their alts. Um, but it puts so much more pressure onto your carries if your 80 carry isn't doing a whole lot of damage. If you're building this poke Varus build where you're going the tier and you're going mainly armor pen where you're all you're trying to do is hit your Qs, it's not helpful in killing a tank. Right. And... I just, I don't dig it. I don't like the build in general. I don't like anybody does it. But Alltech in particular, who does have sort of a historical problem in dealing damage in teamfights because he's skittish, mm-hmm. it doesn't help. You would think that, you know, skirting around the edge of a teamfight and just throwing out virus cues would help him or, you know, Ash Ws. But it's just, it doesn't feel like he's doing a whole lot once he unloads his ultimate. Um, and then Moon. Moon is not a rookie, even though I keep thinking he is. But yeah, he actually has played in the LCS. And he's not playing as well as the other young North American. He's not playing as well as Inori. He's not playing as well as Arcadian. He's not playing as well as Contracts. Like, but he's, I think he's playing a little bit better than Dardock. A little bit even, more even. He's not carrying as hard as Dardock has carried, but he's not playing as badly. I think he's like a nice middle ground currently when you're looking at all the North American junglers. Um, so the problem is... I. I see weaknesses in Immortals in the mid and the bottom lane, and the mid lane is FlyQuest's greatest strength. Right. So I'm not quite sure unless you know they do the same. Unless Immortals do the same thing against FlyQuest that they want, they have to do against Phoenix One, and they just get Flame so far ahead that he can just split push them to victory. You talk about someday. Someday needs to carry the team. This is a team that Flame needs to carry the team, and he is less likely to carry a team than someday is. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop the people who are already typing away about your Alltech comment by just giving you a couple stats. He does have the third most kills of any AD carry in the league right now, uh, the uh, second highest KDA, uh, the most assists. So to say that he's not doing a lot to to stand out, I don't think is quite fair. I think the bigger problem that I have, and this is something that no one wants to talk about, but let's be realistic here. The three teams that FlyQuest have been, CLG, Envious, 
uh, and Liquid. Who are the three bottom teams in the in the uh, North American LCS right now? Liquid, CLG, and Envious. They've only been the worst teams, guys. Like, I, I understand that, you know, they still... It was a close series against Echo Fox. I don't necessarily want to penalize them too much for it, but maybe we slow the roll until they get a good win against a good team. Like, an actual good team and not just a team that's supposed to be good because the name seems good. Like, even if, if CLG and Liquid end up turning out great, they're not playing well right now. I want to see them play a team like a Phoenix One or a TSM, or a Cloud9, you know, some of these teams that are playing at their best right now, and see how they match up. Because that's really what's going to tell us whether FlyQuest has staying power. Um, obviously, <laughs> High being the league MVP right now, as far as, uh, as far as the player of the game awards go, do help, though. And he has been better than I think either of us thought were gonna, was going to happen. I, just, just to further my point, yeah. uh, High is second in, in share of his team's damage. Yes. Uh, he's just behind Froggen by about a point. High is at 29.2%. Altec is at 22%, which places him uh, at, at eighth out of all 80 carries. Now, when you just look at DPM, the damage he's doing per minute, he's third. But the actual share of his damage, he's eight points lower, basically, than his mid laner. And that's what I build into. High can't do everything. He can't. You're he right. can't. And if, and if you're going to put balls on tanks, which he should be, and Moon's been, you know, he's been doing some damage, but he's mostly been an initiator, and he's mostly been playing like Rek'Sai and, and more tanky kind of uh, builds, more engaging kind of builds where he's kind of getting blown up pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Someone else has to step up because High is not going to be able to do 29% of your damage the entire season. He is not that good of a player. He's an excellent shot caller. I will give him that... I'll give you guys that time of day all all day long, but he's not that good of a damage dealer. He is not that good of a player mechanically in team fights. Uh, he also is playing a lot of easy damage in Corky. So when he doesn't get to play Corky, when he doesn't get to play Syndra, where it's kind of easy to do damage, what happens when you're 80 carries at 22% of your team damage? Maybe it comes up, but I just don't see it. Yeah, so we're we're gonna see this team have to play a very different style very soon because it's they're gonna start playing the kind of teams that know how to game plan and are very aware of how to play to multiple different win conditions, and they haven't been necessarily tested the way that they probably should have been by the teams that they've beaten. I think that says more about the teams that, uh, you know, the, the teams that have lost than anything <laughs> else. But uh, where do you see this particular series ending up as far as the line is concerned? I swear to God, if Immortals are favored in the series, I'm going to go nuts. FlyQuest minus 135. Well, you don't have to worry. It's not an Immortals favorite game. You are going to win the week with this. I said FlyQuest yes. minus 200. That was okay. too much. It is even. It's an even line. And this is why it's totally not ridiculous. Because I'm going to give this to you, even though no team is favored. So it's fine. It totally works itself out. One could even say it evened itself out. One could say. Boo. I didn't say one should. Boo. I said they could. Let's let's move on. We might come back to that too. That should not be an even series. So let's wrap this up real quick. Cloud9 versus Echo Fox. You already said earlier uh, that this Cloud9 team hasn't really done anything to surprise you or really change your mind per se. Is there anything that we can say to Cloud9 fans that'll you know that, that you know? Is there anything that really cements them clearly above Echo Fox that we can point to here? I mean, you're the number one team in the league. Echo Fox had one good week. Um, you guys have played four really good series. Like, I, I will give that to you. The CLG series was a little bit closer than anyone probably expected, but I think that was CLG playing a little bit 
about like where we expect them to play as right. opposed to Cloud9 playing any worse. Uh, and CLG always plays up to their competition. If you're a better team, CLG gives you one heck of a series, and I think some of that has to do with Zixlul. Yeah. Um, against Echo Fox, it's you're, you guys can beat them at their game. You guys can out, you know, fight them in the top lane. Impact is a very hard person to kill. Um, your bottom lane is better than Keith and at Gate. You know, just be ready for a Camille support, I guess. Don't get caught in that trap. Um, yeah, Reaper isn't the guy who's usually going to Yeah, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not worried about this game for Cloud9. Yeah. Like, I'm not worried about them. They're the number one team in North America right now, and just by nature of their players, they're the number one team. Like I said, they were the number two team in North America at the end of last split. They made it to the quarterfinals of Worlds, and they upgraded their jungle position. So, theoretically, they're better than where they ended last split. But I think the other teams around them can get better and end up better than them at the end of the split. Yeah, I, and I think that's Same totally. Thing I've always said. I understand. I'm just. I'm making sure. Like, I want Cloud Nine fans to hear all the positive things because they always say that we don't say them. We totally did. You just got a whole bunch of them in a row. Didn't yep. necessarily end positive, but you did get a lot of positive things in a row there. Just for the record, where does the line end up here, Walter? I have Cloud Nine at minus four hundred. Okay, I get this one, so I'm not completely blown out here. Uh, I said minus 500. It is minus 625 for Cloud9. That puts Echo Fox at plus 390, which seems a little bit high, I'd say. I mean, Echo Fox looked good last week. Uh, not as good as Cloud9, mind you, yeah, but I, it still I would, good. I would say that's high. I would say that's definitely a high line. I have a question for you. Because we're okay. at the smart money bet section of the podcast. We are at the smart money bet section. Do you like Echo Fox plus, uh, plus 110 to win a single map against Cloud9? At least one. All they have to do is not get 2 0 I know you don't want to make any 2 0 bets, but what about not getting 2 0 Is that a safe bet? Echo Fox not getting 2 0 Um, The problem is that Phoenix won 2 0 them and we're an exceptionally better team. That's fair. I feel like Phoenix One can do the exact like, but again, like Zig, I wouldn't expect Zig to get like Z impact as much better than Zig. Yeah, but they were able to like kill someday multiple times, so it's possible. Well, I guess we could we could take I guess Fly we could keep it as a third option. We can keep we could take FlyQuest over Immortals even right now, for the record. Which, just so people at home know, that's minus 114. It's called even because both teams have the same odds. It's basically the casino saying, it's a coin flip. We're not giving you full value because, you know, we're I, a casino. I like that one. Yeah, I, I would say, I'd say lock that one is them even. Yeah, so we, uh, we have uh, FlyQuest going 2-0 and this week if you're following both our smart money bets. So... Uh, that should be interesting. <laughs> Where do, uh, do we want to take Echo Fox plus 115 over T Team Liquid? Because I don't yeah. think Echo Fox goes 2 this oh oh two this week, I should say. Yeah, I, I think they beat Liquid. I think they probably get 2 would by Cloud9. Okay, so that's FlyQuest plus 115 over Dignitas, Echo Fox plus 115 over Liquid, and FlyQuest even over Immortals. I'm going to keep riding FlyQuest until they stop making us money. That's Yeah! Wait, look, as long as Unicorn wants to keep giving us FlyQuest value, we're not going to say no. Like, that's that seems fine to me. Hopefully... Uh, you guys enjoyed this podcast. I know at least one of you guys uh, at home uh, has been enjoying it. Uh, I think it was uh, Stuttgart, was it? The guy on Twitter who uh, brought up betting against us purposefully. That I, I really enjoyed that. It was uh, uh, Yes, yes, you are yeah, correct. Yeah, Stuckrath, excuse me. Stuckrath V, he's a, 
a German guy on Twitter who follows us, and he purposely bet against us in order to make money off of that uh, Phoenix One game. Shout out to him for that. Uh, and and shout out to all of you that are listening in. Uh, where can the nice people at home find you, Walter, if they want to talk to us during the week and maybe get a shout out themselves? Well, three weeks in, Chase and I are tied three to three. Yes. This is a pretty close year for us. Usually Chase has jumped out to like a two or three point lead. Yeah, I don't you like any find of this. Me. <laughs> Hey, it's just like worlds, right? <laughs> you guys can find me at C80s underscore LOL. Awesome. I'm at Red Shirt King. We love hearing from you guys, so please, uh, you know, feel free to talk to us either on there or in the comments section. We read all of it, uh, and we really appreciate you guys listening in. Uh, come back on Monday. We have got an interview with the CEO of an LCS team, a guy that we have been looking forward to talking to for a while now. We're not going to reveal who it is, but we can tell you that we absolutely loved talking to him. One could even say it was a, a magical experience. A, you know, is, is that safe to say, Walter? I, I would say it was definitely magical for me. Yes. So Feeling a little, little rosy in my cheeks. My yeah. cheeks are a little pink. <laughs> so we will embrace uh, that interview on Monday. So be back then. And until then, bye, Internet. Hey there, C80's here. Thanks for checking out the podcast. And if you enjoyed today's episode, consider supporting us at www.patreon.com backslash roughdraftspod. For just a dollar a month, you can join your fellow listeners in our patron-only Discord channel and help keep the content coming. Or join our VIP club, where a dollar a show or eight bucks a month gets you first priority on all patron content, like our patron-only Q&As. And check us out on all of our social media, Twitter, at RoughDraftsPod, Facebook.com, backslash RoughDraftsPod, SoundCloud.com, backslash EsportsRoughDrafts, as well as on iTunes and YouTube by just searching for the Rough Drafts Podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, Internet.